Hey, everyone. When we think about Yellowstone National Park, most of us think about an ecosystem that's protected and completely free of harm from the human predator. Well, that's not quite how it's working. You see, animals don't understand boundary lines, especially the invisible ones. And they're going to move about naturally during migration periods. Predators, such as wolves, follow their food source during these migration times. And the hunters and the trappers take complete advantage of that, especially, especially on the northern range of Yellowstone National Park. That's why groups such as Wolves of the Rockies are constantly on the front lines trying to help protect these animals that are used to a human presence. Over the years, Wolves of the Rockies and other groups have been successful in creating quotas surrounding the park. But as you'll soon hear, these quotas just aren't quite enough. So I'm excited to be here with my friend and colleague, Mark Cook, president of Wolves of the Rockies, to discuss these issues that we have in Montana and what we're trying to do to correct them. So here's Mark Cook. Hey, Mark. How are you doing today? Good, Kim. How are you? Thanks uh, for inviting me on. This is going to be a blast. We're going to have a good time, as always. We always have a good time. So I was just telling everybody kind of my overview of Yellowstone, besides just the geographics of how vast it is, um, the fact that it's a volcano, and I don't know of anywhere else you can go and actually <laughs> crawl around the inside of a volcano and see every animal you can think of and be in backcountry that no one, you know, very few people go into and um, experience wolves and, and, and the wildness of that. And so for me, um, you know, wolves have always been that, again, that, that, that wild that I think we all need and miss in our lives. So that's Yellowstone to me. So when was the first time you were you had, you had gone to Yellowstone to see wolves or anything else for that matter. Oh, gosh. I moved to Montana um, thousand, uh, from the East Coast, and I would say I got in kind of late. I got around 2007. I started going to the park um, not very frequently, and it's about a four-hour drive for me to get to the park, four or five hours. Um, so, yeah, right around 2005, um, it was – yeah, it's a, it's a life-changing moment, especially, like you said, the, the howling of the wolves and just seeing wolves and seeing an intact ecosystem that functions as it should function. Um, it's, you know, it's, there's no place like it in the world. So when you saw them, is that what changed in what made you go, I guess maybe I'm not, I don't want to answer your question, but what made you want to fight for wolves what was it i mean you move into montana and right now your whole life's changed and you're you're fighting for wolves right um i think the thing for me was okay originally okay i don't like to see animals abused or hurt by humans they have enough trouble in the wild surviving so originally i i was um involved with me and 
and I'm not, I, I despise traffic. So what happened was there was a lot of people already running with, uh, I would say for better lack of better words, an anti-trapping program to bring about change, social change. And wolves were soon reintroduced and they were getting the hell kicked out of them. There was an irrational hatred. And I would watch them with their families, you know, and how they raise their pups and, and how they act with their pups, how they fight and they provide. And I just watched their social structure and no one, um, I mean, there's organizations that got wolves on the ground in Idaho, but no one was at the grassroots level saying, you know, this irrational hatred for wolves is unjust and it's unfair and it needs to change. Um, and it's been a long battle. Uh, we're making changes. I, I would say that's probably the main reason I got behind it because it was just, it was unjust and unfair that this poor animal who was just trying to survive was being abused uh, the way it was. And when I say abused, I don't mean just the, um, the average black producer or the average Joe in the back country, but I mean, the big thing is the management of wolves through the state uh, and wildlife agencies. So, Mark, we met back in 2011 when I moved to Montana. Right. And we we met. We met. I basically I moved to Montana, and my whole my whole outlook on life was I don't care about anything. I have to get to Montana, live there. I have to fight for this, and. Um, and I, so we met in 2011, I moved to Montana and it literally, I had to, I had to move there and, and, um, the whole aspect, uh, knowing what was going on with wolves, what was going on in, in these States, um, I had to fight for wolves. And so I reached out to some organizations, heard nothing. I got crickets. And then I reached out to a specific organization and got a phone call from Mark, who was uh, the only one in Montana that was actually fighting for wolves. And Mark set me up, threw me in uh, into a, a meeting in Helena, and that was that was the beginning of this relationship and and fighting for wolves. And um, Wolves of the Rockies was um, founded by Mark, and we really kind of hit the ground running um, in a big way, but our splash, and I don't mean that to sound wonderful because it's not, but was when 06 was killed in the 2012 hunts. And what happened in 2012 when, uh, so in 2011, the, the um, uh, wolves were taken off the endangered species list in Montana. And that just opened up for wolf hunting. That was a big thing around the park. So for those who've never been to Yellowstone, the northern range pretty much lies in or uh, uh, um, against Montana, the state of Montana, so within the state of Montana. And the northern range is where Lamar Valley is and, and that whole uh, um, uh, area right in there. A lot of wolves in that area. Um and so during the winter months, these wolves will actually follow the migration of elk outside of the park. It's a natural migratory pattern for them. 
But what had happened in 2012 is there was um, no uh, wolf management zones. The whole area around the park was pretty much open hunting. Am I getting that right, Mark? Yeah, yeah, it was a free for all. And so um, basically, 06 herbata male were killed in Wyoming, right outside of the park. But we lost seven collared wolves that year. Yellowstone lost seven collared wolves. And we can look at this in a monetary form. We can look at this in a life form, um, how packs were um, pretty much dismantled, for lack of a better word. The Lamar pack was completely, um, once, you, once you kill an alpha female in a, in a wolf pack, you pretty much have killed the family. They disperse. They don't know how to handle. Uh, they, it's hard to keep that, that family unit together. That's just kind of what happens. But we lost seven, and the collared wolves are usually, you know, a pretty important, usually, <laughs> can, you know, can be a pretty important um, member of the pack. So we really became um, pretty deep in, in, in the fight with that especially and trying to get things changed um, around the park so we could try to save these park wolves. Um, Yellowstone Park wolves are, and I will say this in the most delicate way I can, but are different than wolves in the wild wild. And the reason why I say that is because they are used to human presence. Don't get that mixed up with they are habituated because it's two very different things. But um, so when a wolf hears a voice from Yellowstone, they turn, they look, they have a, a, a chance to examine the situation. A wolf out in the middle of the woods hears a human voice, smells a human you won't see them, they're gone. So it gives a hunter an opportunity with these Yellowstone wolves, and they've um, paid a dear price for that. But anyway, so um, the biggest problem we've got is that each state has its own mandate. Um, Idaho, which has just a sliver of the park um, on the western edge, um, Idaho is literally, they just make a... Well, wolf killing in Idaho, it's just a, it's a daily event for them. They have waged, war on wolf, uh, waged a war on wolves that um, will never seem to end. Um, <clears throat> Wyoming's management of wolves, because a majority of the park lies in Wyoming, um, is a very different situation. 85% um, of the state of Wyoming manages, and I use the word loosely, Wolves, by saying that 85% of the state is uh, a kill at will. 365 days a year, they're considered vermin. Shoot on sight. Um, I don't want to say good for the wolves, but the majority of the wolves live in that other 15%, which is quote-unquote trophy area. Now that 15% lies around Yellowstone National Park and uh, the Tetons, or the greater Yellowstone ecosystem. Now, the funny thing about Wyoming is that <clears throat> they can utilize Yellowstone National Park's numbers for their overall um, number of wolves <clears throat> that they are supposed to keep. However, I don't, I'm trying, you can help me out with this, Mark, because I'm trying to get my words right. But Sure, the wolf population count, sure. Thank you very much. Their wolf population count, which is 
approximately, we'll just say 150. So if the park has 100 wolves, that counts towards their population numbers. So all they need to keep outside of park boundaries is 50 wolves, which I find and will always find interesting because you're talking about protected federal lands that they're utilizing those numbers. And, and so they can pretty much, you know, again, kill a lot of wolves. But so that's Wyoming. In Montana, um, due to a lot of that uh, dispersal, um, you know, in the wintertime following elk herds and all that, you see them moving north. Um, in 2012, due to 06 and that notoriety, she was such a famous wolf, and how that distract, uh, literally destroyed the, the Lamar Canyon pack, um, we were able to get um, wolf management units put in there. So 313. 316 was already made, and that's again up in the northern range. But 313 was put in. Um, at that point in time in, that was 2013, correct? Or right. yeah, it was 2013 yeah. during that season. Um, and what that ended up doing was instead of it being a free for all or fill your quota, fill your bag, um, they had a quota that they could put in. So I believe it was seven wolves. Or was it eight? Right. Wolves? Yep. Seven. No, wolves. it was seven. It was seven, with, right? Yeah. yeah. So the, that was a lot of work. <laughs> if yeah, you remember yeah. going back, that was a lot of work because the areas that we we talk about um, in the northern range and coming out of the park, that's some pretty dense country. Oh, yeah. It's really dense country. And you have to uh, – there's some outfitters up there that just love to, to, to – and know that country quite well um, – that – take their folks out there and let them get their, their trophies. But, um, it, it's, it's, it's interesting out in that area. Well, let's just go ahead and, and, and come forward to today. So <clears throat> Mark is absolutely amazing. He works tirelessly. He works nonstop at working with, um, agencies with commissions in, in Montana to try to lessen the killing spree on wolves. And this year um, was able to get the quota to one wolf in units 313 and one in 316, which is absolutely phenomenal. So uh, as always, I applaud you for everything oh. you do, Mark. We, it, was, it was a team effort. Well, it's okay. He's also um, he's just a dapper kind of guy. But no, 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 listen, Carol Miller from the 06 Legacy and uh, Rick Lampu. That's true. That's true. You know, a bunch of other people kind of, they got involved and we worked as a cohesive unit and we brought about the change that we wanted. Which says a lot about coming together and working together in a unified manner. We can't make change. So I appreciate that. Um, We have an issue, though. And I, I hate to be that person, but of course, you know, I got to bring everything down. We had uh, well, hunting started right on the 15th. Right. No, sep- hunting started I on, mean, on the, the, uh, September se- 7th with archery. Thank you. September 7th. I think it was the archery. 7th, the 5th or the 7th, somewhere around there. And um, so just literally 
just a couple, two, three weeks ago. Right. Um, hunting began. <clears throat> and in Wolf Management Unit 313, last week, they killed their wolf. The problem is, is it's, like we said, it's a quota of one wolf that you can kill in that unit. But they killed two. And how they get away with that is they don't have to call up uh, Fish, Wildlife, and Parks and say, hey, I killed my wolf for 24 hours, which leaves however many, you know, a full day, however you want to look at that, if not two, depending upon when you did it, um, to continue to kill. And that seems to be a problem. Um, <clears throat> and it kind of takes away the whole point of having a quota. So can you elaborate a little bit more on where we're sitting in this situation? Sure. Um, okay, so we have a quota in 316. 316, uh, the Wolf Management Unit is along the park, is extremely rugged. And for the most part, the hunters that are doing this don't want to it's really some tough country. So they don't want to put the effort into going back there and actually hunting in 313. What I think is happening is, and, and I, I think this, this is to me, it's not, it's not an ethical hunter that does this. What I see happening is there's an organized effort by, by two or more people going into 313. And what they're doing is laying in wait for the wolves to exit the park. And it's, I mean, it's literally, you know, less than a mile from the park. And I think, I can't prove this, but they might be killing elk down there prior to the hunting of, of the wolves. So what they do is they kill the elk, they gut the elk out, they remove the elk, but they leave the gut pile there. So it's like a store for the wolves. I mean, that's naturally what they do. So what the hunters do is they come down, you know, the next day or the next couple days. And when the wolves find the attractant, the, the food there, the, the gut pile, well, the hunters are waiting for them. But the hunters aren't together. So what they're doing is they're shooting, you know, one or, one or more wolves in this pack. Um, now, they all know that each other is out there. And you can hear the signal of the rifle. But they're continuing to kill more than one wolf. It's it's an organized effort, and technically it it's illegal because they know they're out there doing this. But fishing game, Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks, to be honest with you, has little respect. They really don't care for wolves, and they don't want to put the energy in to investigate wolves. So. We will continue to hammer away with that, with trying to get that some change there. But what we've done is, and in, in when I say we, I mean, these are the, the people that support us and, and listen to us and, and help us, our supporters and followers. We put out a $12,000 reward for one wolf that uh, is in a park that was killed illegally, we believe illegally in the park. Um, we're just fighting for constant change, but it seems like, they, it's like the IRS. These people always find a loophole to kill more wolves. And when they can't find a loophole, 
they're killing wolves anyways. And when you have a department, Fish, Wildlife, and Parks, that really doesn't care for wolves. Um, and there's actually animosity, I believe, uh, with Fish, Wildlife, and Parks, Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks, being, you know, um, told by the commissioners what they should be doing and what they shouldn't be doing. Um, I, it just raises bad blood, and they just will put no energy into solving problems. So for me, Mark, what <laughs> what we're talking about, and, and I could be wrong, but, you know, I'm just going to say it, but that's poaching. Yeah. I mean, if we yeah, look it at is. it, and, and we both know when we talk about them going in and killing elk and they gut it and they leave the gut pile, um, yeah. there's a thing called baiting. Well, that's not yeah. considered baiting, but yet they hunt right. over these gut piles. And that's always been a note of contention for me for years and years. Right. You know, it's kind of like feeling like you need a silencer in the backcountry. I still can't figure that one out. Uh, we know what that's all about. Yeah, that's not ethical hunting either, but I guess ethics are different for some folks. But They're dying. Ethics in hunting is dying. It, it, People want that instant gratification, and they want that photo, that monster animal, or that you know that wolf that they shot, and they don't know how they got it. Yeah, um, and that kind of you know when we talk, you you had brought up the uh, um, the well the canyon alpha female that was killed right, uh, right inside the park boundaries, which that. I don't know how that could not be illegal. Um, she was shot um, to suffer. She wasn't shot to be killed. She was, I mean, that was the end result, obviously, but she was shot um, to suffer. And as, as, a, as a, uh, a, a message, so to speak, and this is what I've been told from within the area, but um, the Canyon Alpha female was a 12-year-old white female. She was one of the most famous wolves in the park. She was the Canyon Alpha. Uh, Canyon Alpha, uh, the lineage starts in the middle of the park in the Canyon area, in the Hayden Valley area. Her mom and dad and family were were the Hayden Valley pack, and then she uh, became the uh, the Alpha of her own pack, but within within the same area. And now we've got you know. Uh, her daughter with the Wapiti Pack, and so it's just this amazing lineage. But she was a magnificent wolf, and honestly, um, she was my favorite. And she was amazing to watch and watch her raise her pups. But she was twelve, and and as a twelve-year-old um, animal, the oldest in the park uh, during the winter, they have a tendency to go to the northern range and and kind of head out into um, that garden gardener area, sort of. And she was seen a little bit here and there um, along the roadside, and it was brought to my attention that the talk in town was that they were going to kill her. And I had hoped that she would go back in the park. Um, somebody followed her into the park and shot her on a trail. Um, and she was left for dead. Uh, hikers found her the next day, um, still alive and in extreme pain um they went out grabbed a ranger they came in and the ranger put her out of her misery to put it as lightly as i can but this was a huge 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 um message from the anti-wolf crowd 
And so a lot of folks got together and said, we need to find the killer or killers of this wolf. And so Wolves of the Rockies alone has $12,000 sitting there for anyone with any information that would lead to the conviction of the killer or killers of the alpha female of the Canyon Pack, the white alpha, the queen of Hayden Valley, so to speak. Um, and that's twelve grand. That's a loan from what Wolves of the Rockies, um, and I believe multiple other groups, uh, I think the total from everybody yeah. was about 35000 yeah, I'm about right. Um, so I ask anyone out there, um, and you can remain completely anonymous. I promise you that because nobody wants uh, this person or persons um, brought to justice probably more than I, but I promise you complete anonymity. Um, you can contact, obviously we want you to contact the... Um, Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks um, and uh, Park Service, but you can also contact us and we can help you get to the to the um, the right authorities and all that. As well as, like I said, twelve grand's a lot of money. Thirty five's even more. Thirty five thousand's even more. So you can contact either. Um, and is that right with you, Mark? As far as yeah, that? that's fine. So you can contact um, Mark at wolvesoftherockies.org. Kim at wolvesoftherockies.org. You can find us at wolvesoftherockies.org, phone numbers, everything else that you might need to get in touch with us as well. If you have any questions, um, any input, we're 100% um, um, you know, on your side with that. If you've got information, that would be great. So that's a big thing. Um, our ability, Wolves of the Rockies' ability to um, have that um, – kind of money put to, to put towards um, something like this comes from our donors. Um, Wolves of the Rockies uh, is, is 100% volunteer. Nobody gets paid. Um, Mark travels from the Missoula area to Helena throughout the wintertime um, and the summer, but mainly the winter because that's when the majority of the meetings yeah. are at. And that's a whole lot of mountain passes uh, coming up and over a whole lot of snow and, and dangerous stuff like that. But there's a whole lot of things that we do. And Mark, I, I, I'm not meaning to completely plug it, but mm -hmm. if you can just explain, I mean, there is so much that um, we need help with in order to yeah. continue to fight for wolves. Well, let me give you one example. At the last legislative session, um, at Montana Fish or Montana Legislative uh, Session in Helena, a lady named Becky Baird, a Republican from the Helmsville area, which is just outside the Bob Marshall Wilderness or Bando area, she had a bill passed, and we fought it tooth and nail. Uh, this was her second attempt to get this bill passed. The first was uh, vetoed by Governor Bullock. She passed a bill for a wolf mitigation account. And what this account did was it forced Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Park to put on their webpage, when you went there, when a hunter went there to um, purchase a license, he was given the option or she was given the option to donate money to the livestock uh, Department of Livestock. And then that money would be transferred 
to um, the Department of Livestock, and they would transfer it to Wildlife Services to manage wolf. And we all know what managing wolves uh, mean for the uh, for Wildlife Services. So I just I pulled information on this yesterday at the um, the stats on it, and they have raised fifty eight thousand dollars to give to Wildlife Services to kill more wolves. So I guess what I'm saying is. Legislation is important to be involved beyond the ground and educate the individual legislators that want or are open-minded. But a lot of the the um, legislators are either outfitters related to outfitters um, that want elk and don't want um, you know wolves or other predators. Grizzly bears are going to be bashed soon. Soon, that's going to be on the agenda in January, I'm sure. So you have the uh, legislators that are outfitters or related to outfitters. You have legislators that sell equipment to ag. And then you have the livestock producers, which is probably at least 50% of the legislation. And if you are pro uh, carnivore, like Mike Phillips, Senator Phillips was, you cannot get anything moved. But I will say this, we have managed to derail and soften a ton of bills that were not only anti-wolf, but just anti-carnivore in general. And to the credit of some of the sportsmen's organizations um, working with us and us working with them and the relationships we've built over time based on respect and honesty, uh, we've managed to do some good things. So now every two years we meet uh, in December, and this just happened uh, last year. They talk about at Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks puts together a proposal that would um, it puts into a management plan in effect for the next two years on wolf hunting and trapping. Um, now, keep in mind, the department is no friend. The Wildlife Division, which makes the proposal, is no friend of wolves. So they have a tendency to be very liberal in their hunts, including 313 and 316, which are Yellowstone. But because of the support we get from, you know, the people that follow us, and I'm very grateful for that, we have managed to sway, I shouldn't say sway, we have managed to educate the commissioners on the value of wolves, and we're getting more more people to show up at hearings, these commissioners' hearings, which gives the commissioners a platform to make a decision that is the right decision because most of the decisions made by the wildlife division leadership within FWE are for the consumptive community, the people that hunt and trap get something out of it. They don't want wolves there. People like us who value, you know, uh, an intact ecosystem. Um, want wolves on the ground are the non-consumptive community, and we're not being listened to. But that's changing. So you have you have Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks that we deal with all the time, who doesn't like wolves. You have the legislature that, for the most part, doesn't like wolves, and then you have the EQC, which is the Environmental Quality Council, which I would say, you know, 60% of them do not like wolves. Wolves have a an uphill struggle, and fortunately, because and, and Kim Kim is involved with this a great deal too. Um, 
we have an uphill struggle, but the tide is changing. You don't have that intimidation factor there at these meetings anymore when people would try to bulldog you or be mean to you or rude to you or threaten you. So what we're finding is more and more people are starting to show up at these meetings, and that's what we need because that gives us the platform. It gives the decision makers the platform to make that tough decision, but it's the right decision. And I think that's a huge, huge, huge thing is um, I think the first meeting I went to in Montana at Fish, Wildlife, and Parks in Helena, um, I was probably one in a in big room. Uh, I oh, mean, a yeah. full room. <laughs> a, I remember that. A full room. You threw me in, didn't you? Um, uh-huh. Yeah, the briar patch. You were on the sure. front page of the paper, yeah. though. The hell and I are. <laughs> That was wonderful. Uh, That's what we needed. Well, I tell you, when you walk in there um, for the first time, it can be a little intimidating. Oh, that um, was But demanding your presence, but in a respectful way. And, right. Um, and that's really, really, really important. But what I learned from that moment going forward is that when you have four people against 50, right. you're going to be drowned out. When you can up that ante, and we definitely did, um, you know, in those earlier years, for sure, especially um, when 06 was killed, was that we started filling the hall, and that started getting people to get um, a little nervous if they were anti-wolf. Right. And and, and it started making, they had to listen. And so... I I ask everyone out there, if you are in these states and you can make it to a meeting, and a lot of meetings, Montana especially, um, you can you don't have to be in Helena to be in that meeting. You know, they have different um uh uh, video, video conferencing, video sure. com- right, at, at um, say, in Missoula, at the, um, at the Fish and Wildlife Parks in Missoula, Bozeman, Kalispell. So throughout, whatever your region is, they have uh, um, their, their uh, um, area um, that you can actually go and sit down and say your piece. Let them know you're there for a reason. Even if you don't say anything that first time, your presence is really, really important to back that up. And honestly, if you aren't anywhere near there, and I say this, I say this with the best of intention, <laughs> truly, your money is is welcome and necessary. And I promise you, um, it goes to and has always gone to um, changing right. um changing the way wolves are, are being treated and and hopefully um, we can get that someday to just be look at the wolves on the landscape they're they're a part of our landscape and they need to be there and we, we hope that we can get the majority of the people to, to, to change their minds in that but well I mean we think about this Kim we've come a long way oh, you, sure. know, you go back to the original hunt which was what 2009 yeah in down by Yellowstone and they blasted the cottonwood pack yep. took it out. Yep. And all of them dead. One pack, one day, within you know a couple minutes. One minute they're there, a minute they're gone. And now we've got it down to two areas: one wolf in each area. Okay, yep. yes, I understand the 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 anti-wolf people 
are thumbing their nose at us and taking advantage of a little loophole in the systems, and they're killing two wolves. But this is far from over. What we will tighten this up. What can we do? And 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 why? I guess for me is to understand, and I'm trying to bring that home. You know, we look at Yellowstone. I look at Yellowstone. It is my heart and my soul. It is truly where my soul resides. And so to understand how absolutely, if you've never been there, I promise you it is the it is an epic trip. You don't have to leave the United States to find um, the most amazing place. Um, yeah. Yellowstone, Montana's just filled with it, Glacier, but Yellowstone to me is everything. Um, it is literally 2.2 million acres of just at every turn it is literally the most amazing place um just driving through lamar like i said you're gonna see everything you know just at the drive but to me if you're a backpacker if you're a hiker um you got to make the trip it's essential um but what made it better what made yellowstone truly great was when the wolf was brought back it brought back everything i mean truly um with the wolf the grizzly bear became stronger um the elk started to move so they became stronger their numbers diminished for multiple reasons but when when you can throw a rock and hit an elk in every direction that's not good no (laughs) you know that's unhealthy and so Wolves have truly made the wild more wild. It's 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 the best thing ever, and um, I can't. I just you know the stories and the the time that I've spent in the back country and in the front country of Yellowstone, um, they're epic, and they're oh, forever they're forever in my in my head, in my heart, and my soul. And I I would love to be able to share that with people. Um, so if you ever want to come to Yellowstone, give us a shout. Um, I'd be happy to help you figure that one out. But what we want to do is protect the wolves of right. Yellowstone and all wolves. Let me let me preface that. Well, here here's what I think we got going. You know, if you can't say, and I've always said this, if you can't save Yellowstone wolves with all just how, I mean, millions of people come there every year to see wolves and grizzly bear. If you can't save Yellowstone wolves, all wolves are doomed. So you've got to remember, we've come to the game late. And what I mean by that is there are wildlife agencies like Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks is supported with hunters and uh, anglers' dollars. And then they get matching funds from the government, Pittman Robertson, and some other things. But my point is this. On public trust doctrine, all wildlife belong to the individuals in those states. Well, we don't like the way they're being managed. We need to step up to the plate and take our wolves back, take back our wildlife. To give you an example, what we're up against is there's a gentleman named Tymon and Betsy from Plan B. Time and the whiz at software, writing software programs. And we offered Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks at no expense to them 
a software program that they could integrate into their um, wolf reporting program at no cost to them. That's the key, no cost to them. Where if a person in 313 shot a wolf, he could turn or she could turn her her cell phone on and click that she had, you know, or he had shot a wolf and killed a wolf. And then it would go, the wolf quota would go to, you know, one or two, whatever it happened to be at the time. And people could monitor it almost live. And apartment shut us down. Why? Because they want to kill more wolves. They are not wolf friendly. And that says a lot, doesn't it? Oh, it, it, it's, listen, these wildlife belong to us. Everybody. Yeah, everybody. You know, and I, what one thing Wolves of the Rockies does well is, and the department doesn't like this, Montana Fish and Parks doesn't like this. We have a lot of national forest here in Montana and Idaho and Wyoming. Okay, that's national forest. That's not Montana forest. That's not Idaho or Wyoming forest. That's national forest. That belongs to everybody. Everybody should input on what goes on in their forest. It's a national forest. So my point is this, everybody has input, not just, well, I live in Montana. I should have more input than anybody else. No, that's not how it should work. It belongs to everybody. And they don't like that because it puts restrictions on the way they manage wildlife. And that's, that's what we need to keep pushing. So basically, not basically, what you're saying is that those national parks within Yellowstone, or excuse me, within Montana, within Idaho, within Wyoming, within Colorado, within whatever state you're in, you can be from New York City and it's yeah. your national park. Absolutely. You That's... have a right to that. That is yours. Right. You have a say so. So make that be, you know, make it known. Um, make it known. You right. know. We are really um, active on social media. Right. Um, so Wolves of the Rockies, um, you can find us on Facebook. Um, take a look. You'll be able to see what's, um, what's going on, what's happening within uh, the states as far as um, right. what's going on, period, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. You know, not everything is doom and gloom out there. Like, like Mark just said, I think that, um, you know, uh, you, you bring about a good point, Mark, which is – there has been progress and yeah. we need to, we always need to keep that in mind. I think it's really easy to get down. Times are really tough right now and it's really difficult oh. to find um, a sparkle of hope. But I do believe that when we do look back and we see where we started, you know, 10 years ago. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And where we are today. Right. You know, kind of makes you, stand up a little bit straighter and recognize oh, that yeah. change can happen. And with the backing of, of people that really care um, yeah. and want to be a part of it, um, that's, that's huge. And it's, and it, and it does make you feel better, but um, it is about getting involved. And I think right. that, I think I said this before uh, in one of the podcasts that I did, I think it was actually with Betsy <laughs> with plan B sure. um, was that, it's not enough, and I love all of you out there, but it's not enough to press a like button. 
Your right. voice has to be heard, and like buttons and emojis don't do it. So we need we we need you to recognize that you got to get involved, and sometimes right. that's hard. But I promise you, when you do, you breathe a lot easier. You feel yeah. a part of the 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 solution, not the right. problem. And so, anyway, that's kind of where we're at. You know, one thing I'd like to mention is this, and I'm I'm really proud of this. We rarely at Wolves of the Rockies, we rarely ask for help funding. And we rarely ask for help contacting, you know, your commissioners or your other decision makers. So my point is this, when we do ask for help, it's urgent. We need you, we need you there now. You know, you need to, you got a couple of days to write something in. We're not like some organizations when we send something out, you know, it's all about money, money, raise funds, raise funds, raise funds. Because we're all volunteer organization. It gives us so much flexibility. And the money that is donated can really make a difference because it, it's all going to where it should be going. Helping wolves, educate people, changing, you know, the social tolerance, uh, which, you know, it, it ebb and flows. But overall, yeah, if we weren't here doing this, and I mean we, I mean all the groups weren't here doing this, things would be much, much worse for wolves. Change is coming. It just takes some time. It's not as fast as we would like. Well, Mark, with that, I think that um, I think you and I should do this a lot more often and kind of sure. just talk about stuff. But, you know, I could sure. sit and talk about wolves and Yellowstone and um, different places within Yellowstone that are kind sure. of um, fun and eventful. But so I think you and I should do this a little bit more often. And uh, if anybody out there has anything that they um, would like to discuss when it comes to wolves, um, give us a shout. Again, that's Mark at org or Kim at org. We'll be more than happy to answer any questions for you. Or um, if you want to get involved, give us a call. Um, you know, give us a shout. It's a lot easier to grab us by email, but, um, there's a lot of things we can do out there. Um, I'm in Colorado right now. Um, we're looking at proposition 114, which is going on the ballot in November to be voted on by the, uh, citizens of Colorado. And, and what is 114? 114 is literally wolf, re the wolf reintroduction in Colorado along the, uh, um, uh, along the Continental Divide, and that would right. literally be bringing wolves back to the landscape um, of Colorado, which is really huge um, and the missing link for connectivity between, you know, Mexican gray wolves, so the Mexican wolves, so Mexico, uh, um, Mexico all the way up, um, all the way up through the Rockies, and it's really important, you know, um, connectivity, viability, sustainability, all these things are really important, and Colorado's the missing link. So um, it's really, really, really awesome to have this happening. And uh, so the Colorado Wolf Reintroduction, if you're in Colorado, look for this on the ballot um, in November. Um, vote on it. Um, it would just truly, for multiple things, it will bring back uh, the wildness that we're missing. It will help get, um, it will help, really get our ungulate issues under control in a lot of ways. We have some 
big issues where when you have uh, people sniper shooting at night from helicopters to kind of take care of things in national parks, that's kind of bizarre, right? CWD. Yeah, CWD is a huge thing right there. So all these different issues that we have that we need natural um, uh, solutions for, I think. And uh, anyway, that's Proposition 114 here in Colorado. Vote on it if you have any questions again um, for that. By all means, um, shout it out. Uh, the Colorado Wolf Reintroduction is is going to be pretty awesome. So um, we're here. If there's things you guys want to talk about, have information on Yellowstone, Yellowstone Wolves, Montana, Wyoming, Idaho. Um, we're here to help. Mark is phenomenal. And, uh, yeah, is there anything else you want to talk about, Mark? Or uh, just want to thank all our sponsors and um – uh, and all the people out there that, you know, support and follow us. Absolutely. And honestly, when we talk about sponsors, Mark's been floating the rivers a little bit this last summer during the yeah. COVID months, being uh, socially distanced. And uh, how's yeah. that NRS RAF working, by the way? Uh, it's awesome. NRS is good to us. Uh, SKB uh, cases, is, you know, they give us whatever we need. Uh, just we're very, very fortunate to have the people behind us. We do. Honestly, I've had a lot of cases in my time, but these cases are rock solid. The ability yeah, to get in and out pretty, of them. They're pretty nice. They're sweet. So take a look at NRS rafts. Not only, you know, seriously, NRS is phenomenal for water sports yeah. in general. Uh, so I highly recommend uh, anybody taking a look at that as well. And um, yeah, absolutely phenomenal. Um, Give us a shout. Mark and I are going to come back and talk to you guys some more about wolves and uh, Yellowstone and everything it is to be in the backcountry of, uh, of these wild places that we tend to um, either live in, Mark, or go to um, within within these states. So, Mark, thanks again for, uh, for being oh, with me today. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you all soon. Take care.